Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of The Zillennials. 12 weeks, that's like three months, man. I know, I know. I am Caleb Embry, the millennial in this mix. And I'm Caden, and I'm the Gen Z. I mean, we, there's, nothing, yeah, spe- there's this, nothing special about this, this generation. In this soupy mix we got going on, yeah. the Zillennials. Tag team duo. We are here on a Friday. This is the first time that's ever happened. I know. Usually you're you're off chilling. Yeah, making music on Fridays, but it's a Saturday kind of thing this week. Ooh, that must be nice. It is. I haven't really had a Friday to myself in quite a long time. Yeah, I don't think that our uh, listeners realize we live like a little bit south of Dallas, about 30 minutes away. So you were making a, a at least a 30 minute trek. All the way to Frisco. It was an hour, man. It was an hour. 50 minutes. My record is like 46. You're pushing your new new car to the limits. No, dude, that was in the the old one. Oh. Yeah, it was was really light traffic, and I was like... That must have been a shaky ride, son. It hurt a little bit, but it was (laughs) was all good. We made it there. We made it back. I mean, I'm here. Yeah. Happy Friday to UK, and happy Friday to anybody out there listening yeah man and happy friday to you yes absolutely so we talked about a little bit in the last last podcast but we just had our fantasy football draft Mm -hmm. which is huge in the culture of our company we have two leagues so that means 24 players and it's just like a big it's just a big deal because it kind of merges other departments and there's a lot of new people that join the mix I think it's going to be really fun this year. Yeah, man. I'm excited for it. I've only played fantasy for like a few years now, so I'm still not very good at it because the only team I follow is the Cowboys. So I, I, I almost just completely rule out anybody saying, I don't even know what I'm doing after we've talked about this before also. That freaking John Crabb from our work doesn't even watch football, and he's an elite, an elite fantasy football player. I don't know. He he watches the Vegas odds and stuff. You know, I need to do that. Yeah, I yeah, need to yeah. do that. Take take a little note from from good old John. Yeah, man. But you got any plans this weekend? Anything? Oh, dude, not not anything too crazy. This week is is pretty chill weekend. I'm just hoping to eat good, continue my workout regiment, and uh, eh, ooh, no, there is something this weekend that we can talk about. A former UFC champion versus, uh, you know, an undefeated YouTuber, Jake Paul. And uh, let's see. I'm, I mean, I know you don't follow fighting too much, Caden, but who, who's your bet? Uh, a UFC, a former UFC champion or Jake Paul? I mean, former UFC champion, I like to think. Well, I don't know. It is, bo- it is it just is, boxing, It's boxing. Right? It's, a, it's a different game. See, I mean, you know. Conor McGregor got whooped by Floyd Mayweather. But if it was the other way around, Floyd Mayweather has like no zero chance. zero yeah. chance. Jake, so I don't, Jake would definitely lose in a UFC match for sure. Yeah, against like an actual UFC yeah. champion? Oh, dude, yeah. 100%. But this case, I don't know. But, I mean, still, Jake Paul doesn't have that much fighting experience. He's been doing it for about two years. He's got three or four, I think three major fights. Mm-hmm. All won by KO. So the world's waiting for Jake Paul to get a good smackaroo in the face. Yeah. So so you're you're saying you're saying Tyron Woodley. That that's who I'd like to see win. I mean, this is documented, bro. It's going into the podcast. We All haven't right. seen it yet. All right. Well, that's the one. That, that's who. You know, we're, we're gonna go for this. Okay. Okay. That's your. That's yours. I personally, dude, this is hard, but I think Jake might win. Maybe they're they're in the same weight class. Uh, not necessarily. Tyron Woodley would have to kind of gain a little bit of weight. Mm. So I'm sure they're meeting in the middle somewhere. Yeah. I don't know, man. I may regret my decision, but we'll, we'll stick, we'll stick to it. I already, we'll see. Next I already week, committed. Yeah. Next week, we're going to see how good your intuition was on this Yeah. Fight. I mean, I, I committed and I can't change now, so yeah. I'm, I'm in it. All right. So one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So I read a pretty crazy story in the news uh, a few days ago, which was about Doritos chips. Oh, what, what about them? Okay, so... It's not good for you? We've been knowing that, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely not good for you. But these Doritos chips, 
this person, I think in Australia, I think it was uh, a, a woman, she found like a Doritos chip that was like puffy. Mm-hmm. You know how Doritos are, like completely flat yeah. tortilla chips with flavoring on top of. This was like puffy, which for all the millennials out there, I don't know. Maybe you, you might remember this, Caden, but do you remember 3D Doritos? No, I don't. Okay, so this is a millennial thing. 3D uh, Doritos were pretty much a puffy uh, Dorito chip. But this chick found a, a big-sized one, like in her bag. Oh, no, I do remember these. I've, I've seen this bag before. I've never had them because okay. my mom was They're always... They're like mini. Like, They're like mini, right? Well, yeah, I closed it now. You gotta, oh, you, I think I think they're mini. They're like mini size, but this is like a full size Dorito. The whole bag has flat chips, and there's one bag or one chip in this bag that has uh, a puffy chip in it. So she like posted on social media, thinking, "Ha, huh, you know, crazy! Look at this Dorito." Dorito, the company, said, "We'll buy it from you for twenty thousand dollars." Why can't I get lucky like that, man? Like, what the heck? And so a lot of people are like, this is a marketing ploy because it's like, however many millions of dollars you spend on commercials and such, it's not nearly as effective as like a trending social media post. So it's like... You can't buy that. No. Well, right now the going price is 20 G's. No, no, but like you can't buy the attention. Oh, no. You can buy a TV commercial that people have to sit through to get to the next thing on their show. But I mean, you pull up Instagram and it's like, Everyone's talking about this and memeing about it. Like, you know, like you can't buy that. It, it It's definitely, I think, a genius stroke of marketing ploy on a social media level. Mm-hmm. Because if you post that, hey, I just made 20 G's from getting this Doritos chip. People are going to be buying some Dorito bags looking for more puffy chips. Yeah. I mean, that is... Dude, that's that's actually just, pretty smart just, for the just company. Think, just think about like you're ten thousand dollars into buying bags of Doritos and you haven't found a puffy chip yet. You're probably still not gonna. It's almost like Pokemon cards. You know, you're you're buying them hoping you draw. Yeah, a, a but notice card. nobody's actually buying them to eat the Doritos because Doritos aren't that good, man. They're so. Oh my gosh, there's people who like love Doritos, bro. Well, I'm personally, <laughs> you know, the Doritos and Cheetos had that whole. That whole war for mm-hmm. a little bit there. Still a fan of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Not regular Cheetos, bro. That's not good either. Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Only only the lime ones, though. I only like the lime I ones. like puffy Cheetos. Yeah, but Do after like, like after like four, it's like okay, that's enough. You just gotta get addicted, bro. You gotta be like these puffy <laughs> Cheetos. I just gotta keep eating. Oh, that's make you feel terrible after, dude. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so. Book-wise, we are on the second week of a book called Primal Leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's kind of recap a little bit of the week before. What what did you take away from from last week? That emotions actually are an important part of work, and you can't overlook them and just focus on like getting to the end goal because you know emotions are what you know what drives you to want to go to work and things like that. And how as a leader, can you capitalize on that and, you know, work with people's emotions to help improve them and make them feel like they have a purpose. Right. That's what I picked up. I definitely picked that, that up the, the same as you. And I also took like the importance or, or one of the huge signs of a leader is the fact that they create these environments. Oh Yeah. You know, the environment creating is such a huge, huge deal. And I couldn't be more of a proponent of that whenever you're a leader and you're creating chaos. Nobody wants to follow you for very long. So on this new on these new chapters that we've been reading, there was like an answer to a question that I asked last week, which is what are the attributes of a leader? Yeah, they went over various styles of leading and how some of them are better than others and how to how can you almost mix and match them to fit certain things and certain people in certain situations cuz a big part of being a leader is realizing that everyone's different and it's your job as the leader to mend to their needs rather than than them mend to your needs because, you know, that's that's not how it works, man. You can't just expect you can't just expect someone to like come on and then act like you, you know, you have to mold to them as a leader. Right. So 
there were four huge, huge attributes that this book pointed out. And it was uh, one, being a visionary, a visionary type leader. Two, being like a coach. Because those are two different things. Someone who can spit a lot of vision or somebody who coaches. And we'll, we'll dig into some of those differences. Um, then we have what is called the uh, kind of like affectionate leader. Like the very personal leader who's going to, to show you the way. And then a democratic leader. This book really points out that a good leader has multiple of these attributes. A bad leader only has one. Mm-hmm. Because if, a, if you're just a visionary and you're such a big picture guy, you're not leading people in small, minute ways to achieve the big picture, right? So I, I would say a visionary leader is someone who's really concentrated on change, but isn't dissecting things down to a small, minute step. Mm-hmm. And then you have the coach. And the coach is really for, say, you have an employee who's really driven and really wants to follow follow in your footsteps and become the next leader. That's the best time to be a coach, but it also has its its drawbacks. And this one actually is, in my opinion, a very specific style of leadership that's really for people who want to grow into that leadership position. You're kind of coaching them on how to lead because otherwise someone, you know, just wants to come and work and get through the day so they can go home to their family. And that, that comes off as being pretty much a micromanager you're over every situation then every situation telling them how to do this telling them how to do that and people just may not like that there's definitely a there's a negative and a positive to each of these attributes when it comes to a visionary leader only being concentrated on the big picture and not the small steps to get there is a problem for coaching it is the fact that you can really become a nagging uh, you know, just like you said, a, a micromanager, but there's a huge pluses to being in that coaching style where you're able to go to each individual player or person on, in your department and relate to them and coach them up and really become an accountability to them to try to spur on growth. Mm-hmm. The next one, the like affirmation type leader really has a bunch of empathy uh, creates a lot of team harmony and keeps the climate good, but they usually don't set big goals. They're not like pressing, like creating those uncomfortable moments where a team can grow because you need those. If you're expecting growth, you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to cope. Mm -hmm. And you also have to think about if you're constantly affirming people and never bringing up anything that they could improve on, you know, it's, you can end up with people who are just misguided and dysfunctional in a way. Because if you're so focused on just saying, oh, yeah, you're doing good here, you're doing good, you got better at this, you got better at that, and you're not saying, well, you need you need to work on this. You know, like, this is a problem and this needs to be addressed. There's always a time to be serious with someone and, like, just straight to the point. And sometimes that can get away if you're just constantly affirming someone. But at the same time, you may have some pretty you need sense, it. Yeah, you may have some employees who don't really respond to just being direct and they almost take offense to it. So you have to be, you have to be very generous with them and affirming and be like, Hey, yeah, no, that's good. You know, that's great. Let's, let's keep going, you know? Yes, absolutely. But the, the next one is the democratic leader, which I can relate to because I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to feel like they have buy-in on the vision that maybe I'm, I'm painting. And so I want to democratically have a vote. You know, are, are we all on board here? Um, let's make this structural change to our department. Are we all in agreement? But that takes time because you've got to be able to pitch the vision. You got to be able to be effect, uh, you know, coach them up and so that they can buy in to this vote. Yeah, honestly, I'm not really a big fan of that because, you know, I heard a I heard a saying one time that was like, you know what the best board of three guys, you know how they make the best decisions? Hmm. When one of them's at work and the other two stay home. (laughs) It it was something along those lines. But it's like you always need someone to be, you still need to be the leader and to be able to say, no, 
I understand that some people don't agree, but this is what we're doing. I mean, I'm the leader. I have to make the decision. It, ultimately, the decision should come down to one, maybe two people, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely good to get everyone's input, but you can't let them overrule you as the leader when you have the final say. Otherwise, the structure kind of disappears and it turns into what true democracy is, which is just mob rule, you know, or it can. I, I can definitely see where you're coming from on, on this. There is... This book does speak to the fact that you need to have all of these different attributes and you need to have the right tool for the right situation. Mm -hmm. So in a crunch, you know, hey, we're we're under attack. We're being flooded uh, with work. Somebody has to step in and not care about the democratic uh, way of leading. There just needs to be we're, we're in crisis, so we need to make a maneuver. But you definitely still need to have those times where we need buy-in from everybody. Everybody needs to feel like they have a, uh, an opinion. Yeah, for sure. It's just, I think we're, we're just pointing out that all of these different styles have their, their fallouts and you need, or downfalls, and you need, to, you need to be able to compensate with other forms of leadership. And like you said just a second ago, being just one kind of leader isn't going to get you very far. You need to be able to mix and match them. And I think we all know people who are good in these individual spots, like people who are CEOs are very often visionaries, like especially if they're the ones that started the company, they got people, they banded together because they had such a strong vision. But as the company starts to grow, being a visionary just isn't enough for everything that goes into making a business work or leading people. Because people can get lost. I mean, we've already gone through some of the negatives of these things. But just imagine whenever you know somebody who's just a visionary, how lost the company can feel. Yeah, because it's like, well, we've got this great idea. And it's like, yeah, it's a great idea. But what now? Yeah, how are we going to get there? And that's whenever you need to be a coach and you need to affirm your team and you need to create buy-in by a democratic process in some in some ways. Yeah, you got to make people feel like they're a part of it and then feel like they have some kind of direction, too. Because most people, I don't, I don't really think most people are self-motivated enough to be able to just do it on their own. You know, they need some kind of coaching and affirmation and but at the same time, you when you add the democratic aspect of it too, you know, then they feel like they're doing something, and they don't completely feel like you're being overpowered. You know, you gotta find the. But find it doesn't the best need. To, but it doesn't need to feel not genuine. You know, it's yeah, like people will know that. Oh, we're giving you a choice in something that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like it. They need to be meaningful choices that everybody feels like they can band together, and make these choices together. There's also two other attributes that this book points out that are leadership attributes, but more often than not, lean into the negative side of leadership. One of those is pace setting. And I think we've kind of talked about pace setting as being a good doer. That's the way we've kind of explained it in the past. Mm -hmm. If you're just being the example and you're pushing the pace on people, that's good. Like, to a certain degree, that's great, but that can't be the only way you lead because if that's going to be the only way you lead, people are going to get tired of being pushed. Yeah. You're not being affectionate. You're not casting a big vision. You're not coaching them through their hard times. You're just saying, I can do it. Why can't you do it? Yeah. And that's not people. People will get turned off to that really quick because it doesn't. It, it almost feels like, you know, my boss doesn't care about me. He just wants more from me. You. They you you become, or well, as a leader, you may start to see your people as just you know worker bees. You know they have no value outside of what they do for a living. You know, yeah. This they had a good quote in this book, which was, um, "People come on to a company, like they get hired on because of the company. People leave because of managers. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the way they're being managed." And if someone is constantly in this stage of pace setting, as this book calls it, uh, I can see why you'd want to leave. Yeah. And especially in uh, like high skill jobs where you can easily go somewhere else. It's like, why am I going to sit here and suffer just because of a bad boss when I could go do the same thing somewhere else and be less miserable? That's that's super important. 
and for all of you leaders out there, uh, be cognitive of the kind of attributes that the leader ahead of you has. And if you don't feel like they're open to being coached by you, uh, coached might, might be too strong of a word, but just being open and honest with them, then it may be time to move on mm-hmm. because that means that your growth is being stifled in that place just as well as the company is being stifled by the manager's style. Yeah, you don't you don't really want to just like to for me personally, I just wouldn't want to be stuck in a situation where like it's okay, dude, you're just being unreasonable or you're just being ridiculous, you know, because they get so caught up in their own head. And usually um these people were just good doers, you know, who are now in a position of leadership and they're not really being a leader. They're being more of a manager and it's those situations just aren't fun, man. To look back at a book that we just finished, The Five Levels of Leadership, this is really the mentality of a level one leader. Yeah, you're just leading by your position as manager. And it's like, well, I've been here doing this for this long. How come you can't you know, do it? Fine. I'll, let me take it in and just I'll do it for you. And, you know, you may you the book talked about, you know, the leader may completely we got an interruption by the cat over here (laughs) talkative pepper over here um but you know the leader may may start to think like oh well they they can't do this i gotta do it myself you know and then he stresses himself out and takes too much or he or her i don't i don't want to (laughs) discriminate um takes too much off their off other people's plates and puts too much on their own and then they get lost and then it creates a chaotic environment that just nobody wants to be in i mean okay so so Pace setting is the first one to be wary of. This book also talks about the commanding leader, which is positional leadership. The fact that you have a position over somebody technically means you can command them to do whatever you want and set whatever pace you want to set. That is the most unhealthy way of looking at anything, Mm -hmm. but the most often form of leadership you find everywhere. Yeah. The book talked about being in situations where leaders or mostly positional leaderships and i think it was it was either i think it was commanding mm-hmm. um where they talked about you know you'll hide tricks or tips from your employees because it makes you or knowledge because it makes you feel like you have power over them and that's a really unhealthy way to think because that's really that's not an infinite mindset you're not thinking about continuing anything you're just thinking about your own gain at that point it's very selfish to think that way and it's also the easiest way to lead the easiest way to lead it is to say, I have a position over you. You do what I say. And then you combine that with pace setting. I'm saying you do what I say because I'm doing it. Yeah. And we're, and we're really successful. So we're just going to continue to do the same thing and not innovate. I'm not going to challenge myself as a leader. And that's where we're going to end up. Yeah. And I think when you come off that, like in such a stuck up way to people, they're going to almost resent you and be like well what do i need to listen to this guy you know they're gonna drag their feet to do anything you tell them and sometimes you know you may end up with some people like maybe me in high school where you end up with teachers or in my case it was teachers but you end up with a boss like that and you'll kind of go out of your way to poke the bear a little bit you may find situations like that because nobody wants to deal with that you know and you're gonna make life worse not only for your employees but for yourself Because then things are going to start to suffer and you're just going to create an environment that's not good. No one's going to enjoy coming to work. And, you know, people people may mess with you. That's that'd be people like me. So (laughs) just speaking from experience. So these are this is really the big concept of today is these styles of leadership um, are all good. Even the pace setting, even the commanding, they're all good forms of leadership, but they all have their time. Mm -hmm. These are all tools in your tool belt is how you should be thinking of it and everything has a time and a lot of people live in one of these sections i would say i live in the coaching section you can feel like i'm micromanaging you because i want to keep in contact with you you know we have a one-on-ones every week with every every staff member there's a huge opportunity for staff to be like i don't like that i have to report every single week mm-hmm but it's not so I can keep my thumb on you. It's so I can continue to gauge that temperature that you have, you know, and manage expectations to the best of my ability. And if things need to change, then things need to change. Yeah, it, create, it creates an open environment where you can say things you need to say. And when it's just two people, especially if you have a, 
a good manager, you know, you can say what you need to say and not feel like you have to hide anything. Yeah. Environment creating once again. Exactly. That's such a massive thing. In this book, uh, I kind of spoke on this last week. I wasn't really expecting to like a whole bunch, but the more I read it, the more I like it because it is just truly informative on leadership style and what's the most effective way. And they're not sugarcoating the whole thing. They're not yeah. like, hey, here's the best way without any friction. It's like, no, sometimes being a leader calls for friction. But you, you can't just live in that friction world. Yeah, you have to. I think those situations where you end up having friction is where growth starts to happen. Because you want to get out of those situations. So what, do you, what are everyone... I think almost everyone, don't want to speak in absolutes, intuitively thinks, I'm, this sucks, how can I get out of it? And that creates people, you know, people start to get motivated to try to change something no matter how they can. And you want to be a good enough leader to in those situations where people don't feel like the only thing I can do to improve this situation is leave. Ooh, that would be a tough one. Yeah, that's tough. So this, uh, this book, I, I, I believe it's good. I hope that you guys are, are kind of diving into this and, and I would love to hear some feedback from you guys. If you don't follow us on Instagram, we have an Instagram account, Zillennials uh, Pod at Zillennials Pod. We pot post every week when when the new uh, episode has been posted. So go ahead and hit us up there and we want to know your feedback on this book because we think it's it is very powerful. I would say more powerful than most that we've read. Uh, just because of just how fundamental this stuff is. I don't think it gets more simple than, hey, there's six ways to lead. Not all of them are great, but you do need more than one. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good to, because not many of the other books we've gone into have gotten too much into the emotional aspect of it because True. It, it almost in a way, emotions are what make you feel like you have a purpose because it's a feeling that you have a purpose. And that's an emotion, you know. And we none of the books we've read have really touched on that like this one does. Yes, it's always just been insinuated that, yeah, a relational leader is a good leader. But this almost breaks it down even further of like, yeah, to be a good relational leader, you need to paint a big picture by being a visionary. You need to coach them up because they need to know how to get to that big picture. You need to affirm them so they're not weary in their journey. And then you need to make it democratic. They need to feel like they chose the the call to leadership or the call to to work on this big vision that you have. Mm -hmm. And then there's these rare instance, instances in moments of pressure that you have to be commanding and you have to press the pace. Yeah, because without those, because at the end of the day, a leader is still a leader. And, you know, you you're there to make sure things get done and. You mm -hmm. know, so it's like if you're not still saying I need this now or I need this whenever, you know, and I need you to do this, you know, you're not really being a leader and it gets dysfunctional. You still have to have moments of being direct and saying, hey, this is what we need done. And usually those moments last like five minutes in a meeting or something, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, with it being Friday, we did have a lot of meetings today. Yeah, we <laughs> always have meetings on Friday right. That and Monday. Yeah, Monday and Friday, kind of the check-in status reports and then the check-out ones. The check-out ones, which once again comes from the coaching aspect. Mm -hmm. Like I need to know what's going on and I need to manage those expectations, but you could very easily be micromanaging. Yeah. So once we get into uh, more stressful parts of the year, this Home building is very seasonal for those of you guys who don't know. Yeah, absolutely. We, we're we're architectural designers. So whenever it gets to be hot season in the spring and everybody wants to get into their homes before their kids start school, that's whenever probably the coaching comes down. You know, I don't need to micromanage you. I have absolute belief and I'm going to affirm that you can do the job. I just need to know one checkpoint a week, you mm -hmm. know. How, how are things going? And so that's all about the tool belt, being able to, to pull out the right tools at the right time. Yeah, that's, that's what good leaders do, man. Because what I've always said is like it's so, even then with the tool belt, even if you had three people in the same situation, you still got to pull out different tools for each of them, too, you know, because everybody everybody true. reacts differently. You mm -hmm. know, I, I have a weird tendency of like um, having my a self bias towards coach 
towards my coaching, which is I prefer to have the most like serene environment. You know, I don't want there to be tons and tons of pressure. Mm-hmm. But if there's one thing I've learned lately is that, man, pressure makes diamonds, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, you gotta, you gotta put some people in pressure to prove what they got. Mm-hmm. Or in in maybe not just to prove, but to grow what they already have. Yeah, and uh, if you're not applying pressure, then then you're really not equipping people. Yeah, but then at the same time, you know, you may have someone on the complete opposite side of the fence who is like, "Why are you putting extra pressure on me? You know, I got mm-hmm. this, and we know I got this. You don't you don't have to do this, man." Yeah, you know, but that comes down to like you got to coach through that, and you got to affirm through that, mm-hmm. and it's also. You have to be aware of who you're leading and how they respond to things you do. Because there may be, uh, say one decision was made, you you almost have to say in a meeting, gotta re- you have a different meeting with each person, you have a one-on-one, mm-hmm. you have to kind of relay the message in a different way to each of them, you know? Yes. A, a good visionary, I think, can, can explain their vision in a multitude of different ways. Mm-hmm. And being a visionary is hard because it also takes a lot of charisma. People have to believe the picture you're painting. Yeah, because no one wants to follow someone who's like, yeah, I have this <laughs> idea and it's it's going to be cool, man. You just got to trust me. Yeah, nobody wants to follow that. Yeah. Because it's like you don't even sound like you believe the picture you're painting. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to jump in this with you? Yeah. And another thing is you have to actually be genuine with the people you're leading because you can't just... These are tools, but you have to be able to actually invest in them because people can really spot when you're just like faking it. Like people aren't stupid, you know, like, okay, some people are less intelligent than others. But when it comes to like emotions, nobody's stupid and people can spot when you're not being genuine with your feelings. Well, I think even the most, say, unintelligent people can't have an incredible compass we're just all humans yeah we all understand how easy it is to manipulate each other and not to be honest yeah because emotional intelligence is different from actual intelligence you know just because someone may not be the bright i mean they'll still know like this dude's he's full of it he's just speaking you know Mm -hmm. those are just words coming out of his mouth with no actual meaning uh with with this leadership book primal leadership I would also recommend going back and listening to um, leadership and self-deception because I think that's the only hiccup in this book is that, yes, it's about these styles of leadership and creating an environment, but this book also speaks to the fact that you can't deceive yourself in in believing that you you have all these styles. It's so rare that somebody has all these styles and they know how to use them effectively. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just kind of blowing yourself up and saying, oh, of course I'm a visionary. Of course I can coach well. Sometimes that over um, eagerness or like overconfidence is just because you actually lack in those things. Yeah. Well, because there's a big curve between, I forgot what the name of the curve is, but it's like you're experience and uh your ego basically and as your experience goes up your what what's what's the other word for it man i forgot what the word is it's not ego but it's uh it's something i'm completely losing it right now i don't know man it's friday (laughs) but uh as your as your experience goes up you're you start to think you know more than you actually do and then you hit a certain point when it's like whoa you, you learn enough to realize you don't actually know anything mm-hmm. and then you keep going. I forgot the name of that. Oh, curve. it's like ignorance. Yeah. It's something. At the end of chapter six, um, the book dives into this a little more, which is that the higher you get in influence and leadership, the harder it is to make that self-evaluation mm-hmm. because you really have to have a people around you that you've created the environment for them to tell you bad news. Yeah. And that's harder because people don't want to upset you whenever their financial future's in your hands. So you have to come out right away and say, I'm open to being critiqued. Please do. And you have to be good enough as a leader not to be upset when you hear things you don't want to hear. Yeah. That's that whole like uncomfortable 
uh, factor we were talking about earlier and pressure. You're going to put yourself under the pressure because at the end of the, at the end of the sixth chapter, they were talking about how most high level leaders that were deficient in certain areas, they actually checked that they were higher than the stuff they were actually efficient in. And the way that they gauged that was by like, uh, asking all their team. Yeah. Cause their team was like, no, no, he's not really good at coaching. He's not really a good visionary. But the leader put like, oh, dude, I'm like a 10 out of 10 on vision because you're just like trying to overcompensate an ego. Yeah. And you're and you're deceiving yourself. That's why I really recommend reading that book alongside most of these leadership books. Yeah. I think everyone finds themselves in those situations where it's like, you know, you, you think you got it, you know, but it's like because maybe you had a few good runs and you haven't really hit a bad run yet you know because people will get into these situations and it's like i know i've been there i've uh i've had moments like at work or at the gym when it's like oh i got this i've done this you know and then you hit a moment when it's bad you know say you don't hit that you don't hit the lift you hit two weeks ago you know it's like well what happened it's like i thought i had this you know and then a lot of times it takes a, a reality check you know and if you read leadership and self-deception, it really will help you think and like, just take a step back and look at yourself from like a third person perspective, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's important to do, not just in leadership, but just in every aspect of your life, because you can get into these self-deceiving loops and you just, you don't even realize it until sometimes it's too late and something big hits you in the face really hard. And it's like, dang, this sucks. <laughs> that's, that's episode two, three, and four, I believe. Uh, the leadership and self-deception. If you guys want to go back and, and check that out, I definitely recommend it. That book was freaking powerful. Mm-hmm. That was, I think that one might be my favorite one we've read. Yeah. I like that. It's like a, a, a full singular narrative Yeah, about a, a guy versus what we're doing right now with this book, which is principles with individual stories packed in. Yeah. This was just one story to, and it, it did a really good a job a really good job of explaining what self-deception is just from one continuous story. And not many, I've not really read many leadership books that do that. No, no, me either. Um, okay. So for me, I don't have anything else to, to really discuss on, on primal leadership. How about you? No, man, I'm good. Okay. So we're, we're at the tail end, which means I get to ask, uh, funky, funky conspiracy questions, which, it's been like two weeks or three weeks, but I sent you a video about um, <laughs> a, guy, a guy. He actually used to be a Catholic priest, mm-hmm. and uh, he his expertise is in like the the Torah, which is like the five the first five books of the Bible. And his thing is all like the translations off. Like he no longer really works for the Catholic Church. He's doing this his own YouTube channel called The Fifth Kind. And uh, he pretty much says that the breakdown in translation in those five books is the fact that, like, we're getting the characters wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, that we're not talking about the Trinity or God helping these certain characters out in the Bible. We're talking about, like, okay, this is where it gets weird. We're talking about dragons, yeah, son. The sky people. The sky people. The freaking what, sky what were people. they called? The Elohim or whatever? The Elohim, which is a very notable way of saying, um, you know, like holy ones. Like mm-hmm. growing up in church, like that's what that meant. The Elohim, the holy ones, you know, the yeah. God, the Trinity. But he's saying like that's kind of not correct towards the original translation in Hebrew. It's yeah. sky people. Uh-huh. And so, it there was like a whole the the Adam and Eve eating the apple was an argument between how intelligent humans should be, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, the crazy part of it is like, you can, when you're listening, it's like, I could, I could kind of see where you're getting this from. But then at the same time, it's like, but where are you getting this from? You know? Yeah. It's important to like, we're kind of hopping in, in like the middle of the story, but the Torah was written by the same person, mm-hmm. which was Moses. Moses was not physically there when Adam and Eve was there. Yeah. So it's like there's a lot of debate uh, in literature about, 
you know, did it really take seven days or is this like a poem? Yeah. You know, is it representative of seven days? Because what's a day to God? Yeah. You know, is it not a thousand years? Who knows? Well, I mean, when you, when you created the whole universe, I mean, are you really worried about this one planet? You know, is that what you're going to consider a day or what do you consider a day? I see what you're saying. Yes. There's, there's kind of a lot of uh, back and forth in debate of these translations. And so this guy's translation is that they're sky people. And they're dragons. And there are there are dragons. Like, it is some of the most wild stuff, which is my most favorite thing to listen to. Oh, The most crazy conspiracies or, or like, uh, historical jumps. Like, that's my favorite stuff. Dude, you got into the Way Way Back program a while back, and you were like... Oh, almost like staring off into space when we were sitting there talking, like contemplating why you even are here. <laughs> well, because, uh, yeah, the Way Way Back program is a, is supposedly a program in like the 70s or I think in the 70s that kids were chosen, trained into the secret space program and then were way, way back. So that means they were like their age were was like regressed and then then they just picked up their life at 19 in 1977 even though mm-hmm. they've lived 20 years yeah and they're like all oh, yeah we've been to mars we fight aliens on mars yeah there's bases on all these different body planetary bodies and you're just like dude this is either the greatest cover-up ever or you are mentally insane yeah which usually is the second but it's fun to hear an insane person it's, speak it's, their logic. Well, it's it's fun to just go what if most of the time, you know? Like people are like, Oh, you listen to conspiracies, you you weirdo, like you you crazy schizophrenic and it's like dude, it's just like it's entertaining. Like think of it as a story and then go listen to it. Yeah. You know, you'll probably enjoy it. Because whenever I sent you that video about, you know, the different interpretation that this uh, Catholic priest had towards the old testament, I was like, just listen to it as though it's a novel. Because it is interesting. He is speaking some truth, but he's stringing together some crazy stuff to make this truth this truth happen. Yeah. And it's not true. Mm-hmm. Because how can you take these huge leaps? And it's like for someone who's not educated and who is easily swayed and just wants something to believe in, that's where it's dangerous. Yeah. Well, then you'll have people argue. It's like, well, it's dangerous, so we can't have him say that. And that's also equally as dangerous. You see that a lot now, man. It's like, it, it is scary because, I mean, this guy is not speaking to you like, hey, this is this is a, a fun thing I'm thinking about. He is telling you, like, this is what I believe. Well, it almost, this is what I think is it true. It starts off like a documentary. It's, it's weird, man. I, it's great. So the fifth kind, like on, on YouTube, if you get curious, there's also um, a channel called Apex TV which I've shared with you, Caden, before about like time travelers, Uh like these people who swear they're from the future and they make some outlandish predictions. Like there was one guy who he swore he was from the year like 2050 Mm -hmm. and he knew who was going to win this next election. He was like, yeah, Trump will win it again. And and then he like went off on like crazy stuff like, hey, AI will be around in 2028 like it will be sentient Uh and also time travel will just be like a regular (laughs) thing in 2030 you're like bro you didn't even get the presidential election right how am i supposed to believe all this other stuff yeah it's just you were disappointed about that one dude i was really sad a lot of people were sad because trump lost i was sad because (laughs) the time traveler was wrong (laughs) what the heck yeah you came to work and you were like man he didn't win, so this, this means that the time travel means being real. <laughs> this freaking sucks. That <laughs> means that time travel is not going to be a regular thing by 2030. Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe. It, what if he's just trying to throw you off the scent and be like, because what, what if someone in like the time travel council was like, bro, you can't be saying this stuff. Stop. Dude, See, throw him off the scent. Exactly what you did right there where you're like time travel council. Like that's just a random thing you made up. This is the stuff they make up and they're like, no, no, there really is one. Well, I mean, it's it's it probably has to be real. I mean, government wants to regulate everything. You don't think they try to regulate time travel, too? Well, have you ever seen there's like a it's like I don't know if it's famous. It probably is famous towards people who believe in time travelers. But uh, there's a Mike Tyson fight. 
And in the background, there's a there's a, a, a person holding an iPhone. And and this is like in one of his first fights in like the early 90s. Mm-hmm. So it's like they don't even know what a freaking smartphone is, much less Wi-Fi. They are they're all running off the dial up that like yeah. <laughs> that that whole thing. So uh, pretty nuts picture. Look it up if you're curious, guys. Yeah. Time yeah. traveler fo- photo. Uh, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Homies in the back holding a freaking. Is iPhone. it like? Can you clearly tell it looks like an I iPhone? I mean, there's or is always it just room for interpretation. Yeah. Right. But it is a rectangle shape. It's not the way you would hold the camera at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the cameras were long, uh, like in width, yeah, not yeah. in height. And you would have to do two hands. This one is just a single hand. The guy, it looks like in the shape of it. You can't see the apple because the dude's hands in front of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, sure. I guess. Yeah, if he's got his pinky under the phone, you know, if he's got the pinky, the pinky rest, you know, mm-hmm. people people can't see it. But if he's doing this, I'd be a hundred percent convinced that's an iPhone because I, you you don't. I you haven't done a lot of research on this one aspect, but um, so one of the time travelers on a, on this uh, Apex TV YouTube channel was like uh, one of the destinations that time travelers love to go to is. Um, Lincoln's speech, you know, four mm-hmm. scores and seven years ago, because it was a massive group of people just in front of like a freaking train. And so you could conceal yourself. There's supposedly pictures, black and white pictures of the crowd. And there's people in like clothes that are not accurate to the, to the, uh, era. Mm-hmm. So guys, if you want to go down the, the, uh, time travel rabbit hole, it's there for you. <laughs> it is there for you. Dude, you were on that one for a while, though. Because it's so cool. Everybody yeah. wants to know the future, mm-hmm. you know? And everybody Do wants you, to, though? I mean, I think I want to know the future. I don't want to know when I die. Yeah. Like, those are two different things. Oh, dude. If I knew when I died, oh, I would be partying every day. Because it's like, it's like, bro, be careful. And it's like, dude, I'm going out at 90, you know? Like, I got this in the bag, dude. <laughs> You know, like I'd just be living it up at that point. But if you figured out when you died, it would affect the way you live. Therefore, maybe affecting the date in which you would die. Yeah. But but if it's already preset, what is it not? Is, pre- it, pre- is it not predetermined by the universe that do dude, all these laws of time not, travel? Did you not watch Endgame? Come on, man. Are you not a Marvel fan? I Whenever haven't, you I haven't seen too many, when, man. I just watched the back, fight scenes. <laughs> when you go back in time and you and you change something small. It will change something big into the future, but it's not—it's not changing something small. So the day I die, if if the time—if this is just me thinking, like I—I I have not fully thought this out. Whenever I say all the words, that's me fully thinking it out. <laughs> but if that's the day I die, does it not calculate for the fact that through time I would know the day that I die? Yeah, because if if. If that's the day I die and someone came and told me that's the day that I died, would it not put it in one of those time? See, that's the thing about time travel that's always sent me me crazy. It's like, what? It's just like it's all these loops, man. It doesn't really does it work? Well, I think it depends on if you're under the assumption that it's one it's one line, it's one timeline. But there's also the idea that. Once you change something, the minute that you found out that you were going to die at a certain time, the timeline split off. Okay, that makes sense. Now there's, yeah, you, there's a version of you that's going to die when you said, and then there's the version of you that messed it up by figuring it out. Okay, I mean, that makes, that makes sense. Right, so it's like, it depends on which, which way you want to go with this, single line or multiple lines. Yeah, I mean, based off everything we know about about the universe and because then but how many time travel is not really supposed to be a thing yeah in the way that physics describes it today but we don't know everything we don't know everything we're trying to describe stuff we have no clue what it is with the math we know because gravity affects time usually in a in a uh, it elongates time so it's like you kind of get trapped into the past Whenever you get close to something with heavier gravity. Yeah. Watch Interstellar. Yes. That's a that's a great, uh, such a good movie. Oh, yeah. Such I love movie. that movie. If you don't like that movie, you know what? Don't don't listen to us. <laughs> don't 
no, not nice. keep listening. Please, please listen. It's no, it's it's good to it's good to learn, man. It, it's it, it's a pretty cool cool movie. Matthew McConaughey is a freaking genius in that movie, mm-hmm. bro. When he starts crying, spoiler. Whenever he gets he whenever his like kids age and he doesn't because he went close to the black hole, mm-hmm. dude. That scene just rips me apart. Yeah, that's crazy though, man. Imagine that. Dang, I want. I want space travel like that to be real. I want to be able to take a trip to to a black hole and then just like speed away from time and come back. It's like, huh, losers. Okay, so here's a question for you. Okay, let's say Mars. Okay, you're going to Mars. That That's a fact, okay, in this scenario. Do you want to be in the first thousand? Do you want to be in the first 10,000? Do you want to be in the first hundred or the first million? Probably the first million. It's probably a lot of if stuff. If I would have kept going, would you have picked further? If I was like, f- f- would uh, you want to go? Probably about million, million five. Somewhere around there where there's like, there's some stuff to do, you know? Because it's like, you're the first to go. It's like, oh, it's mm. red dirt. I mean, know? if there's a million people there, that means we've 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 visited there quite a bit. Like, the it's not dangerous. Yeah, I'm trying to go party on Mars, dude. Yeah. I'm not trying to go look at red dirt. Like, mm. where's the fun in that? You know? W- would you would you go even if you couldn't come back? If I if there was a, like a full blown civilization that like I could. Go I mean, get, a million people. I mean, that's a, that's you know bigger than some countries. It depends on small what, island it, countries, yeah. but it depends on what they have there, though. You know what I mean? Like. Kind of. What if they don't have chicken? I mean, strips, according man? to the Way Way Back program, there's freaking aliens you can fight there. But they got chicken strips. Because if there's no chicken strips, I ain't coming back, man. Wouldn't I need, that be? I need protein, dude. What if in the first million McDonald's makes it there? I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't doubt that it will, man. How would you even sustain a McDonald's? Because there's no way. There's no like livestock there. Space beef, bro. Space beef. Yeah. Have you or, not seen those things? Actually, there's a there's a thing about like protein how 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 would you get protein on mars to be sustainable and it's through bugs yeah because they're like the most resilient you have a bug burger yeah well have you seen those i saw this video and it was like they're making through an, um plant fibers they're like making burgers out of it and like weaving it in because the protein uh the protein strands are similar like it's the same texture hmm. and stuff i don't know bro it's weird if we terraform well, mars cool. and get some plants up there Get some, I'd rather have a plant burger than a bug burger, but that's just because I know what's in it, you know? Cause, I, dude, I can't stand when people are like, oh, I don't want to eat that because this is in it. It doesn't taste good. It's like, you just, you said it tasted good when you took the first bite and then I told you what's in it and now you don't want to eat it. Eat the food, bro. Oh, man. Well, I think that that's, that's it for, for this week. Next week, be prepared for the results of the Jake Paul and Woodley fight mm-hmm. to know who was right. Also... There won't be a fantasy football game, but we'll get into that once once we get into the season. Yeah. All right. So uh, definitely read the book, guys. Follow us on Instagram at Pod, and we will see you next week. See you.